Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's the best of the Joe Show. Running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Hola, me llamo Dan Day. It is a Hawkman Hump Day. That means later in the show, going to play back a segment earlier from the Hawkman and Crowder show to kind of get you over the hump. Last night, a good one for me. Tuesday nights, 9 o'clock, over at Duffy's in Plantation on University. I host Trivia Night. Come on out. Have some fun. Got to say hi to my guys Clive and Ron. We hung out afterwards, had a few beers, had some fun. Always fun over there. Trivia Night in Duffy's. Very good people. Give me a follow. My Twitter page, you can see some of the pictures from that. At Dan Day Radio. Like I said on the way, it's a Hawkman Hump Day. We also got some Joe Rosen, some Dan Levitard. But right now, we are getting into some headlines. Good news. Whiteout Albert Wilson and safety Rashad Jones return to practice today for the Dolphins. Bad news. O-lineman Danny Isadora has been ruled out for Sunday's game against the Chargers due to a foot injury. Kickoff is at 1. Listen to it here on 560 The Joe. The Mets rallied to keep their playoff hopes alive last night, defeating the Marlins 5-4 in the 11th. The two play again tonight at 7-10. The Heat will formally introduce Jimmy Butler this Friday. Season begins October 23rd against Memphis here in Miami. Kane's senior linebacker Zach McLeod is out, but he is open to redshirting this season. Miami has an open date Saturday and will play Virginia Tech October 5th at 3.30. The Panthers defeated the Lightning last night 6-3 in preseason hockey action. Both teams play again here in South Florida tomorrow at 7 p.m. In the soccer world, Chelsea defeated Grimsby 7-1, Inter Milan beat Lazio 1-0, and Liverpool topped MK Dons 2-0. And now, let's take a step into the day spa. Ah... A drone recently dropped a phone and drugs to an inmate in an Ohio prison. So much for smuggling it in up your butt. An Austrian couple opened a package the other day expecting it to be a dress they ordered online, but instead it was 25,000 ecstasy tablets. Party! Now on to weather brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast calls for clear skies with temperatures around 80. Visit Hylia Park Casino every Saturday and win your share of $10,000 in giveaways. Drawings all day long and it's free to enter. Visit HyliaPark.com for more details. Mornings belong to you and the Joe Rose Show. Earlier today, Joe Rose, Zach Krantz, Hollywood, and Biff, they talked to former NFL quarterback and broadcaster Trent Green. Talking about Dolphins, are they between rebuilding and tanking? Then a couple of questions. Is Tua number one? Is Cleveland a mess? And is Lamar Jackson the real deal? Trent Green from the NFL on CBS. What game does he have this week, Joe, would you tell me? Oh, he's got Lamar versus Baker. That's all you have to say. He's got a Big good one. game this week. I think it's going to be fun. Anytime those quarterbacks match up, plus you got all that trash talking. The Browns right. did, although they probably toned it down a little bit. And the Ravens, 
are a great story. Right. So Trent getting ready for this game. Trent Green's got to be really enjoying I'm himself. I'm sure he right? is. Trent, good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, good morning, Joe. Zach, how's it going down there? Trent, we're doing good, man. You you need to spend more time down here, man. Uh, we got to get a better product for you to, to watch. Maybe that, w- that would help a little bit. By the way, I'm curious. What do you think about what the Dolphins are doing? We've asked everybody. It's obvious we're somewhere between rebuild and tanking. What do you think? <laughs> That's I don't know where, I don't know what lies between rebuilding and tanking. That's uh yeah, that's that's not a good position. It's no, uh no it's not from the outside it's kinda of scary to see what's going on, especially for the current team. Um I understand what they're trying to do from the from the big picture in the long term. Uh but when you see the number of trades and the guys moving on, I, I you know, you acquire all those draft picks. All that, that requires is you you better do a good job with the drafts, uh if you're if you're putting all your stake in, in that regard from a personnel standpoint. So uh, I get it, what they're doing. Uh, it's just not going to be pretty. It's all about that one position, Trent, the quarterback position. Oh, man. And they are aiming for that number one overall pick, the Tua kid from Alabama, one of these other guys. But they know it all starts and ends with that position, and that's what this entire season is about. Even with Josh Rosen here, I still feel like Josh is going to be the backup next year no matter what. It's an interesting way to go through a 16-game season with 13 left to go for Dolphin fans. Is Tua the guy that they're completely set on? I mean, No, I know he's, no he's not. He's, that, he's that's us. He's a career, but I mean yeah. – What's that? Yeah, no, you're right. It, it's us. We're the tank for Tua. Right. It's not the team coming out. We're getting Tua. Uh, I think you got to look right. at all of them. I've I've warned everybody. Don't fall in love with Tua. It could be somebody else. And by the way, why we're at it now? Now you got me going, Trent. You haven't said a word. And you got me going here. <laughs> well, here's How the, do here's we the know? thing now, Joe? Yeah. Before, hold on. Before before you get too far into it, really, what you've got now is you've got 13 weeks to figure out what you have in Josh Rosen. So is this a guy that you can build your team around? And then you can, then you can just start, start deciding over the next 13 weeks where you have him in the building. You get to see how he studies, how he prepares, yeah. how the guys react to him, how he leads the team, how he trains, everything about him. So he's really, if you think about it, auditioning for the next couple of months. And if, he, if, if the rest of the organization realizes – this is a guy that we can. This is a guy we can build around. This is a guy that we have a future with. Then you start figuring out your pieces and what you're going to do with the draft and and all those things. But with it, this is, you know, I'm, it's not going to be pretty this season. But this is a great opportunity for Josh Rosen to establish himself and say, you know, I'm the guy moving forward. And I agree with you. By the way, you actually brought up a whole bunch of things that they do get a chance to look at and how he works every day and all those things you talked about that you've been through your whole life. But how do you look good with that offensive line? A bunch of receivers that can't catch balls. I mean, it's been really frustrating. Oh, no no running game. How do you look good to show them you can be the man? That is, a, it's a difficult thing, you know. Uh, especially, you know, you know my background, Joe. So, you know, it's the same kind of thing. You talk to guys, uh, you know, during training camp. You know, how do you evaluate a second or a third quarterback when you're putting them in there with the second line and the third line, and you're going through training camp and you're trying, okay, who's going to make the roster? Who's not going to make the roster? Well, it's a similar type of thing. What you're talking about with Josh? How do you really evaluate him unless you have you know, the pieces and the tools around him. So um, that is going to be a hard part of it. How, how Josh handles it all is going to be a big part of it. And, and you know, what the, uh, what the coaching staff and the personnel determine ultimately, uh, you know, what they think they have in him. But, yeah, that's, that makes it that much more difficult when you don't have pieces around him.
All right, Trent, let's forget about our mess down here in Miami for a second. There might be a little mess in Cleveland right now, a bad start to the season after all these big expectations and big talking before the season about how good this team could be. I know it's early. It's only three games in, but uh, a couple more losses. There could be a big implosion in that locker room. Doesn't it seem like it? You know, and, and that's, the, that's the risk you take. Uh, I think when you look back a year ago to what the Rams did defensively, uh, when they had already had Aaron Donald there, uh, and then you decide to bring in an Akeem Tlaib and a Marcus Peters and Indomitian Sue, and you're like, okay, this thing's either going to be great, which they ultimately made it to the Super Bowl, or it's, or it's going to implode. And, and right now, Cleveland is that point. <clears throat> they, you know, with all the offseason um, attention that they, they gathered, with, with all the big moves that they made and the names that they've brought in, uh, I'm anxious to get around them uh, and see them this weekend and, and find out what the vibe around the team is. Uh, their defense is playing well. The offense isn't playing very well, um, considering all the weapons that they have. I know they've got some issues at running back because of um, suspensions and injuries and those kinds of things. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. They, um, it's one of those things. If it keeps going the way it's going, then, yes, it could, it could get really ugly. Um, but you tend to think that the talent at some point in time is going to take over. Uh, it's, it's not an easy task this week, though, going up against Baltimore. Boy, it's all about these quarterbacks. Isn't it amazing? Trent, does it seem like the the quarterback position's always been very important, but now more than ever, you got to have one of those guys, don't you? Even Lamar. What a have you been surprised on how good he's been? Or are you looking at more? It's been about who he's played. Let's wait a minute before we get excited. You know, uh, a year ago when they decided to to go all in and and they real you realized that Flacco wasn't going to be back and that was the direction they were going. I didn't think he was the most accurate quarterback. I think he's, he's spent a lot of time on that. I think his accuracy has gotten better this year. And he's always, he's always had the athleticism. But his, I, I, I've been impressed with how his accuracy has improved this year. And some of it's just getting comfortable and, and understanding, you know, what system you're in and what guys you have around you and, and reading defenses better and um, all those types of things. But, uh, but, yeah, he's a heck of a player. Um, you know, you were talking about quarterbacks in general just around the league. It's fun for me now in the broadcasting booth to, to sit there and, and look at all the different things that quarterbacks are doing now. You know, it was, there was such a standard or a uh, kind of a mold with what quarterbacks were and how they played, and, um, you know, you kind of fit into that mold. And, and, and now uh, the freedoms that guys are having at the line of, scrim- uh, line of scrimmage, the freedom they're having in terms of uh, getting in and out of plays and um, a lot of uh, a lot of check with me's at the line of screen. We did some check with me type stuff, but it wasn't the same type of freedom that these guys are having. It's really a lot of fun. It's, it's fun football to watch when you see um, the athletes that are going in at the quarterback position. Talking about quarterbacks, what about Pat Mahomes and what he's doing and what he's done in his first what nineteen games in this league? I mean, he just look. He looks totally legit, and he looks like right now the best quarterback in the league by far. You know, he does. It's uh, I, I just shake my head every week you know you keep saying well this can't go on this can't go on right. this can't go on and and you know a year ago when he was getting ready to go in he was having uh interception issues at training camp and and everybody was making a big issue about that and he said well this is a learning curve and Andy Reid was saying you know just relax a little bit and let you know let the kid hasn't even played a game and uh and then all of a sudden he has an MVP season a year ago and you think well there's no way he can keep up with those numbers I mean it's uh the numbers he put up has only happened two other times in the history, the hundred year history of the NFL. So there's no way he's going to back it up. Well, now he's now he's exceeding that. Right. It's uh, <laughs> crazy. It's crazy what uh, what he's done. Uh, I want to say I saw this stat the other day: throwing for 350 or more yards, 
three touchdowns or more and zero interceptions, the record in a season is four. And he's done it three weeks in a row, which is an NFL record to do it three consecutive weeks. But his first three games, he's already done that. So he's got 13 more to get one more game like that to tie an NFL record. So, yeah, I um, every, every week I shake my head at some of the stuff this kid's doing. I know we got to let you run, but he's got a cannon for an arm. I, I He's oh, got yeah. one of the, the big, big arms. There are a lot of guys got good arms, but that thing is is uh, crazy good. Trent, I know we got to let you run. How many stops you got this morning, by the way, for CBS? Uh, so you're the first You're the first to six. Uh, All right. Nice, nice. We're the leadoff hitter, nice, man. Nice. That's beautiful. So we can screw one. it up for everybody. It. <laughs> we can totally screw it up <laughs> yeah. for everybody. Trent's going to join us for another 12 can, minutes. Can, yeah, Trent, we'll, we'll bug you again uh, thanks, soon Trent. down the road. Appreciate thanks it, brother. Great talking to you guys, as always. Take care. If you missed the Joe Rose Show this morning or you just want to hear it again, you can download the podcast on demand wherever you get your podcast for absolutely free, the radio.com app, or you can go to our website, wqam.com. That doesn't just go for the Joe Rose Show, any of the shows that you hear on this radio station, including this very one. Remember, it is a Hockman Hump Day. That means in a few minutes, we are going to hear from Hockman and Crowder to help you get over the hump. But next... Dan Levitard talking baseball and dolphins on the Best of the Joe Show. Rosemary, heaven restores you in life. The Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio that you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Want to wish a happy birthday to Daniel Kessler. He is the lead guitarist. For the band that you're listening to right now, Interpol. Love Interpol. Seen them a couple times. Always a very good show. Kind of having a Dan Fest right now. Happy birthday to Daniel Kessler. I'm Dan Day. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Day Radio. And if you believe Dan is the man, then Dan Levitard is your man. You can hear him right here on 560 The Joe, weekdays from 10 to 1. Right now, he and the guys are talking about make baseball fun again and the Dolphins stat of the day. Is there any particular reason, uh, given that baseball has been fun here over the last couple of weeks and will be a lot more fun as the postseason is now on our doorstep, uh, is there any particular reason that you are down on baseball today and I keep hearing you say that baseball sucks? Is it because of that long game last night? Is it because of the, the what was it, seven seven hours, 19 innings? It was just under seven hours, 19, uh, 19 innings. I think it went on until... What, like 5 a.m. Eastern time, Bill? Something like that? It's just baseball's unwillingness to listen to the people who like their sport and who cover their sport. Like Jessica Mendoza this morning on Golik and Winga was saying, there's no room in the game for this. <laughs> Yadier Molina had to play two games last night as a catcher. It's crazy. And they just don't listen. And that's what infuriates me about baseball. I grew up loving baseball. At one point in my life, it was my favorite sport. It no longer is. It is slow. It is boring. It is not something I can enjoy with my kids. I have two daughters. I enjoy football games with them i can't enjoy baseball they can't pay attention to it and seven hour games are not helping listen to your fan base listen to the people covering your sport when i say and it's kind of tongue-in-cheek joking like hey 
After nine innings, if the game's tied, your best player, their best player, home run derby, everyone's home at 11. It doesn't have to be exactly that, but that's a better solution than another nine innings of scoreless baseball. Well, let me uh, let me head down this path with you because uh, baseball is more resistant to change than any of our sports. It's why their key demos are literally dying. You they don't. They don't react well to even the wild card, which has been a genius suggestion. It has made the last part of these unbearably long seasons interesting because the last month has felt a little bit like playoff baseball only because you have those wild cards. There was huge resistance to it. Huge. Bob Costas was out here. and Bob Costas is, uh, you know, the best among us. He loves baseball. He was out here complaining about the wild card. He's still angry about the Marlins winning in 1997. Wow. <laughs> Something that speaks to where baseball is right now is last night there was a huge thing news-wise that happened. The Nationals clinched a playoff spot. They weren't really expected to be good this year because they lost Bryce Harper. They do it at home against the Phillies. So Bryce Harper got, had to sit in the Phillies dugout with them eliminated from playoff contention and the Nationals celebrating, making the playoffs without him. And it's just, that's not, like, if that happened, let's think back to when Durant went to the Warriors. If the following season, the Thunder made the playoffs against the Warriors and the Warriors didn't, that would be, like, the biggest yeah, news in the history of sports. Basketball and football do these stories well that cross over soap opera-wise. Baseball throws pitches at people who bring soap opera. But, Dan, to your point, the wild card, I remember when it happened, there was a lot of resistance. You're right, Costas, other people were railing against it, and and I do remember that, but it turned out to be one of the best things baseball has ever done, and all I'm suggesting is, hey, there are other good ideas to fix your game, and you won't listen. Well, you won't listen, Stugant. They don't listen when you tell them, hey, kids shouldn't be hit by screaming foul balls. Just put some nets up. They won't listen to, man, do you remember? How about this? It wasn't that long ago. That Bugs, Bud Selig was entertaining the controversial idea of putting a Spider-Man movie ad on the basis. <laughs> he was shouted down by his demo and his customers so loudly that they still don't do it. They still don't do it all these years later when it would have been a really easy revenue source that would have incorporated, <laughs> you know, some modern technology. And here's here's the weird thing. In terms of new media, baseball's been ahead of everybody. In terms of having great. understanding new media and another thing that baseball's been great at is there is no sport that is better at helping the smart fan quantify the excellent. We're sitting here talking about football. We're watching seven years of Mariota without knowing, well, can he or can he? <laughs> but in, in baseball, they give the fans who really care the ability to study the stuff. thing they had not accounted for, and I don't know how you could have accounted for it, because who the hell accounted for basketball evolving in front of our eyes and becoming a three-point game from one day to the next? Who had that? Charles Barkley, while the Warriors were winning the title, was saying jump shooting teams cannot win. Everyone realized at the same time, oh wait, that throwing it down in the post to the seven foot guy and having him dunk, that's not as worth as much as the shot from over here. Now baseball's figured out all that stuff with all these shifts and everyone, everyone in the sport is out there to hit 40 homers and they go three innings without a fair ball and everyone's striking out and you're watching 40 minutes, you're watching 40 minutes of baseball and you're not seeing anything happen other than strikeouts or a guy runs around the bases lonely by himself because another solo shot has been hit. Who had it happening this way? Because I don't believe any of us could have called this. Who was calling this? Who among all of our baseball experts was saying, you know what? 
This sport is going to evolve so fast to such a weird degree that it's going to be every damn guy throwing 98 miles an hour. It's going to be a bunch of people coming out of the bullpen who are fresh because we've realized, hey, maybe we shouldn't go seven innings with the fat guy who's tired. Like <laughs> Maybe we should mix it up and just bring in pitcher after pitcher who's fresh and throwing as hard as he possibly can. And then everyone up there is Dan Ugla taking pornographic hacks trying to hit 40 home runs. I feel like someone in the Rays organization probably saw it. They seem to be smart. Were you reading it anywhere, though? Because baseball had a problem with its games being too long before. And they're talking about clocks that never happen, and they're talking about penalties for pitchers for stepping out or for batters for stepping out. And what ended up, what do you do when your fundamental problem in a day when things are moving very fast and young people, tomorrow's customers, tomorrow's money customers, yes. they're telling you this thing doesn't have enough stimuli and the problem with your game has been baked into the competitive bread where now survival of the fittest are saying, getting to the batter's box and saying, I don't care if I'm entertaining you. I am here to either strike out or hit a home run. That is why I, I, I am in this batter's box no matter who I am. And my job is don't hit into a double play. Don't bunt anybody over. Don't spray a little line drive to right field. Scott, I'm watching these highlights. I almost don't recognize the sport. When I'm watching a swing and I'm like, that's a pop-up, right? That's going to be a short fly ball to right field. No, that's going out opposite field when I thought that that was just going to be a routine out to right field. I didn't think that guy got a hold of the ball. That happened to Jock Peterson last night of the Dodgers. He hit what he thought was a pop-out. I'm serious. He was upset. He, like, threw his bat down. It ended up going out of the park opposite field. He was laughing. And so I'm asking you this question. This is what I'm asking you because I do believe it's, it is, from a consumer standpoint, in the modern age, the biggest problem that baseball faces, that baked now into its fabric is boredom that that think the evolution the survival of the fittest has gotten to the point where everyone realizes that the best way to go is boring and here's the worst of it how the hell did the home run become boring how how did how can you tell me that the home run is boring if i take away the home run from baseball what do, what do i have left that's supposed to be the most exciting thing at one time hitting 30 was an accomplishment now everyone has 30 am i wrong in saying because i know baseball fans love this billy chris you guys love baseball but have you your young guys who love baseball has your interest in what you're watching deteriorated because you're sitting there watching for three innings and nobody's hitting a ball out of the infield? Roy, you've stopped watching baseball, correct? I uh, watch playoffs only now. For me, the, the, it's really the Marlins being inept is what's kept kept my enthusiasm down. I still, when I go to a Marlins game, even with the roster they have now, I enjoy myself. I'm not sitting there looking at my watch like... It's fine to me to be able to have a three-hour game. Like I still love baseball, but the Marlins stink. So that I wonder if part of the boredom of baseball comes from the fact that there's such wide gaps between like the rich and like the poor in terms of not like financial, just in terms of like wins. This season, there's three teams that have won 100 games. They could have they could have four and possibly five if things had shaken out differently. I don't think there's ever been more than four teams winning 100 games in a season. There's also four or five teams that could lose 100 games in a season. So, like, you see the teams like that that are losing 100 games, and I wonder if they're more like, well, baseball is boring just because their teams are so bad. Like, if you were to ask Yankees fans, do we need to change baseball? I wonder how many of them would say yes. Like, you're down on baseball, the Mets are out of it, and I wonder if it's more, there's not as much competition between teams as there always has been. I actually enjoyed this season because of the wild card, because the Mets were in it late into the season. Uh, Chris, you will change your opinion once you take your kids, because that's when my opinion changed. I took my kids 
kids, and they couldn't sit through one inning of a baseball but what game do you at City do? Field. So what do you do with this? With that point that you're making, what do you do with this? Because I can file all my criticisms of how baseball has changed in boring ways, but what's changed more, baseball and the way it's played or us? Because it feels like it's us. We need more stimuli. It feels like this is a an environment of all once upon a time baseball fans, and it's not baseball fans anymore. Because there was a time in my life, it wasn't but 15 years ago, where I would have made the argument that I liked watching baseball more than football. It changed inside me. I would have made the argument, and I would have made it strongly, that I cared more about all things baseball, and I do not care the same way. Stugatz is the same way. Mike Ryan is the same way. Playoff baseball will get me interested. Just I think stakes will always make me interested. So that's it. Either create stimuli or create stakes. You can keep all the rules the same right now. If you make the games more meaningful, I'm there. But they're not. I'm not going to watch the 81st game of 162 games. I don't care. So we talked about this a little bit in the local hour yesterday. I think part of it is packaging because we were talking about how they have now football games that are condensed, and you can watch the entire football game and it's 20 minutes of action football's not that different from baseball in terms of how much no time... it's us that's changed no but it's it's just they it's present... not 20 minutes of action it's like 11 minutes of but action. they present that in three and a half hours and you don't sit there thinking wow this is really boring this is taking forever just because they have so much going on in the presentation of football games that you don't realize that it's only 10 to 15 minutes of action where baseball you're watching you're like nothing's going on right now well let me ask you this along that path because i do find watching a single football game now to be more boring than it used to be. And it's because I can have 10 of them at a time. It's the best parts of those. I I can mainline (laughs) the best parts of 10 of them without any commercials. That guy broke his spleen. Never mind. We're moving out to the red zone in Chicago. Like I could live my life never watching a commercial. Why would I choose commercials? (laughs) We have been telling you that the dolphin start is so abysmal, so historically abysmal that we will have a stat of the day for as long as they're abysmal. So here it is, the Dolphins stat of the day. Stat of the day, stat of the day, it is the stat of the day. Stat of the day, stat of the day, it is the stat of the day. Stat of the day, stat of the day, it is the stat of the day. Stat of the day, stat of the day, it is the stat of the day. When it comes to first downs per game, the Dolphins are 31st. Yards per rush, 31st in the league. Yards per play, 31st in the league. Yards per game, 31st in the league. Yard margin per game, last. Point margin, last. Points per game, last. Time of possession, last. (laughs) Goal-to-go TD percentage, last. Red zone TD percentage, last. Third down conversions, last. Interception percentage, last. Good God. The funny part is is a lot of those were their second to last. I think the Jets are last in a lot of those. That's (laughs) right. It's always the (laughs) the Jets. I mean, okay, put it on the poll. Would the Patriots' second team have better statistical rankings this year than the Jets and the Dolphins? Because the Patriots, as you sit here and watch Freddie Kitchens, Odell Beckham, and Baker Mayfield get scared of what their schedule looks like, it's never something that afflicts Tom Brady. He always knows that he's got a couple of bye weeks in there. We've given you the stat before about uh, since 2010 – There are only a couple of teams that have not played a first-round playoff game. 
the Buccaneers, Cleveland Browns, the New England Patriots. The reason they always win the Super Bowl is because they've always got a bye and then they get home field. And the reason they always have a bye and get home field is because, listen to those stats I just gave you, on the teams that have been chasing them for 20 years inside the division. They've been off the last two weeks. Patriots. They they have not started their season yet. They played against one good team, the Steelers, that had Ben Roethlisberger and beat them 33-3. to You've basically got this. Here's, here's what I've got for you. Ryan Fitzpatrick has thrown for 303 yards this season. Josh Rosen has thrown for 302 yards this season. Against the Raiders in Week 2, Patrick Mahomes threw for 270 yards in the second quarter. Like, are you kidding me? How can you be what the Dolphins and the Jets are? Look at what the Patriots are and what they're doing. How can you look at that and say in any realm that you have any chance other than Tom Brady natural cause? Like you've got, and it's never going to happen, by the way, because he doesn't age. So he's going to be, he's going to live to be 300 years old. The one time it happened, they went 11 and five. They went 11 and five and didn't make the playoffs with Matt Castle. Now Stugatz was saying during the break, he was saying, Bill Belichick's, this seems silly. Who did the Patriots sign? Uh, uh Cody Kessler. Uh, it's big news. A Schefter scud. How about that? So they signed Cody Kessler, and what I told the guys is somewhere along the line, without looking at anything on Cody Kessler, I told the guys that somewhere along the line, Cody Kessler did something to impress Bill Belichick, and he made a mental note, and he said, hey, the second I can sign that guy, I'm going to sign him. And that second was today, because he is now a New England Patriot. And so then I started game-logging Cody Kessler, and I found it, Dan. 2016, mop-up duty. Game well out of hand because the Patriots, the game is always well out of hand late in the fourth quarter. In came Cody Kessler. The team only had three points at the time. What did Cody do? Five of eight, 62 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. That's where he made the note to himself. I will take Kessler, and if, God forbid, anything happens to Brady, I'll turn Kessler into a Hall of Famer. Okay, a Hall of Famer or uh, Jacoby Brissett? Like, come on. <laughs> I mean, I mean, either way, he gets picks for uh, Brissett. He got picks for Jimmy Garoppolo. He got picks for Brissett. This is what he does. A Hall of Famer or Ryan Mallett? A Hall of Famer <laughs> or Brian Hoyer? A Hall of Famer or Matt Castle? 11-5. Ooh, that Dolphin stat of the day has to get you excited. Of course, you can listen to the Dolphins take on the Los Angeles Chargers. This Sunday, kickoff is at 1. Pre-game, post-game, whole game right here on 560 The Joe WQAM. It's not Sunday, though. It is hump day. Better yet, it is a Hawkman hump day. So next, going to bring in the show's executive producer, Solana. Hopefully he will not be giving us weather. Then hear from Hawkman and Crowder. Maybe. Keep it tuned. It's the best of The Joe Show. Welcome back to the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Music by Big Brave. But no They're going to be doing a free show at Las Rosas right outside of Wynwood tomorrow night. Won't you join me? Joining me right now, the executive producer of the Hawkman and Crowder Show, Alejandro Solana. Solana, you know Wynwood all too well. Have you ever been to Las Rosas? I'm a big fan of Las Rosas. I go there very often. Love it. Always free, dive bar, good people, good times. If it's in Miami, I've probably been there. And uh, Las Rosas is definitely one of my best, the, the, the spots I enjoy the most for sure. Wynwood, number one spot, go-to spot in Wynwood. I like, uh, I like, I like Coyo. 
Yeah. A lot of people don't know the Koyo in Wynwood, the back room of Koyo has. Oh, nah, nah. Yeah. Go ahead and tell him. Give, give him some has, insight. Has a little bar Monday nights. Oscar G uh, performs there. Also, like one eight hundred Lucky a lot as well. Oscar G performs there a lot as well. But uh, I mean, there's a million good spots in 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 Wynwood. Jay Wakefield Brewing. Oh man. Yeah, I go to Dirty Rabbit sometimes. Right across the street. So, yeah. 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 Always a good time in Winwood, But, yeah, tomorrow night, Las Rosas, Big Brave going to be jamming out. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Join me for a beer. It'll be a good time. Of course, I didn't just bring you in here to talk about hot party spots in the 305. I, I brought wish, you in. I wish you had. I, you know, we could do this all night, but, you know, that's not that kind of show. What we do, it is Wednesday tradition to do a Huckman Hump Day where we bring in some of the best audio from Huckman and Crowder. Got you a little curveball today, so break it down for us. We have Michael Lombardi, who uh, you're about to hear. He joined. Uh, Hawk was out today on a Hawk, uh, on a Hawkman holiday, day, right? Hawkman holiday, Hawkman holiday. So Alex Dono, everybody on 560 is familiar with Alex Dono. He filled in for Hawk along with Channing Crowder, and we spoke to Michael Lombardi, longtime. Um, uh, whether it's NFL insider covering the NFL, he was an assistant for the Patriots, worked in the front office for several NFL teams. So uh, somebody who clearly has some experience with uh, signing players, cutting players, building an organ- or working within an organization. And you'll get to hear his perspective and what he believes um, is going on with Brian Flores through three games and the Miami Dolphins moving forward. Real quick, want to ask you a couple of things. Hockman and Crowder, what times are they on? On 560 WQAM, this radio station, 560 The Joe WQAM, from 3 to 6 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday, the Hockman and Crowder Show. Podcasts, of course, wherever you get your podcast. You can also go to the website, wqam.com or the radio.com app. Twitter, do you have a handle? At Alex M. Solana. You can follow me, but Dan Day, he he has a much better Twitter account, so make sure you follow him. I just follow your lead. Thank you so much for introducing that. Let's make another date. Hockman Hump Day, one week from today. I'm for it. Let's do it. He gave you the breakdown. Now you're hearing it right here on the Best of the Joe Show. Mike Lombardi, how you doing, sir? Doing great, thank you. How are you? Doing very well. And, and I wanted to pick your brain a little bit, being a, an experienced front office executive in the NFL, with this whole Miami Dolphins process. Because we've seen, quote-unquote, tanking in other sports. Like, it worked out pretty well for the Philadelphia 76ers, but in a sport where you've got five on the floor playing two ways versus... You know, the NFL where you have 22 starters and special teams and all that. Is is what's happening in Miami too risky, or do you see a definite light at the end of the tunnel here? I mean, look, I know the scores have been lopsided, and it's been a struggle to get first downs, and, you know, the longest run is 14 yards or whatever it is. I mean, but the reality of it is I think they're trying. I think they're trying to accumulate picks. I don't think this is any different than when Jimmy Johnson was in Dallas his first season. The difference is he had Troy Aikman, a quarterback. He went 1-15. and I think this has happened before. We've tagged it as tanking when in reality, sometimes when you don't have a quarterback, your offensive line's in disarray. It appears that you're tanking, but you're just not talented. So I think that's the case. I think they're trying. The scores have, you know, they were the first week, I think they lowered it by 16, then they went down to 13. And so they're competing. They're just not good enough. And I think that all having all these picks, and look, this Mika Fitzpatrick pick could be a top 10 pick as well, because let's face it, the Steelers didn't lottery protect it like they would have in the NFL, NBA. And, you know, they're on three already. And you talk about Jimmy Johnson with Dallas. Like, Brian Flores down here. He just got down here. You know, we don't really know what he's doing with this roster, Mike. What, what, how should we evaluate Brian Flores in the situation he's in? 
Well, I think you evaluate them, uh, Channing. You evaluate them by how they're playing, if they're playing hard, if you see them laying on blocks. Like, you can watch the Redskins, you know, and on Monday Night Football, they were not playing hard. They were struggling like crazy. And I think when you look at them, you say, well, you know, where are they going? What are they doing? And I think that, you know, you could see the effort is there. I think when you don't see effort on the team, then I think you have to really be concerned. But if you see effort, I think certainly then that's the case. And I think that as long as you have effort, you know, you're going to try to improve. But look, they're not competing for a championship they're trying to build a culture and improve every single day and that's all that matters hey you worked as we're talking with mike lombardi you worked with brian flores uh, during your time in new england can you can you sort of give us your impressions of him and, and if he has the right temperament to be a coach in the situation he's in trying to facilitate this rebuild really really a good person to start off with i think he's his own man i think he his values are rooted in the patriot way but they're rooted in his own mind and i think that's critical i think he understands the importance of what the tangibles that come from being in new england how to avoid losing before you can win discipline mental toughness those things that belichick talks on a repeated uh, repeatedly to the team or things that brian can handle He's not going to back down to the challenge. He's not going to give in to what he knows is the right thing to do. And he's mentally tough. I mean, he's a mentally tough guy. He's not going to buckle to the score or try to fix something quickly. I think he's determined, and I think he'll get this thing fixed. I have the full confidence in Brian. Of all of my time in New England, I thought he was one of the best young coaches I've been around. Should he have brought more experienced coordinators in other than O'Shea and Graham? Well, look, I, I, you know, I, I, you hear that, and I think sometimes when you're a young coach, everybody says you got to get more experience. Well, sometimes when you have more experience, you have guys that want to do it their way. I, I think he's in the right frame of mind to have guys that will do it his way. I think you hired Brian Flores to install the offense, the defense, and the kicking game. I think that's the true value of a head coach. You know, they said the same thing about Jimmy Johnson when he got hired in 1989. He took all those guys with him from the University of Miami, whether it's, you know, Dave Wanstead, Butch Davis, you know, Tony Wise, all those guys were too young. They didn't know pro football. It turned out pretty good for Jimmy. Yeah, Mike, um, I, I know we're still a long ways away from the 2020 NFL draft, but it has been a big topic down here with so many of the rumors and the links, you know, linking Miami with Tua Tungo Vailoa. Now, no one in the front office has come out and admitted it. It's just kind of something assumed down here. Uh, how confident are you that Tua is a generational type of talent? Is he overrated, underrated? What's your take on watching Tua? I think other than Trevor Lawrence, from what I've seen in college football, all the quarterbacks are going to need to come in and the system's going to have to be tailored around what they do. Quarterbacks are like baseball stadiums. You just can't. A baseball stadium, the general manager of a baseball team has to build his baseball team around the stadium. If you have a short left field porch, you want big right-handed hitters. If you have a big park, you want a lot of speed. That's quarterbacks in the NFL today. There's really very few quarterbacks that you just say, fellas, why don't you just go play? The system really makes the quarterback much better. We're seeing this in Indianapolis with Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett takes over for Andrew Luck, and everybody thinks the ship's sinking. You know, everybody thinks it's all going to fall apart. They were one of the best third-down teams in football last year with Andrew Luck. Guess what? They're one of the best third-down teams in football with Jacoby Brissett. So what happens is the system has to get tailored to what the players can do effectively. And at quarterback, you've got to build your offense around his strengths. Mike, you, you brought some young quarterbacks and Brissett. Daniel Jones balled out. Bridgewater stepped in and did great. Lamar Jackson, Kyle Allen in, in Carolina surprised the heck out of me. Which one of these young guys really impressed you the most? Well, I, I think Lamar, you know, the, the, the pride of Florida himself. You know, he's the 32nd draft pick in that, in that, uh, in that draft of the first round. 
He was the last quarterback taken. If you go to the ESPN QBR ratings based on this season of that draft class, he's by far the number one quarterback. I mean, he's got great feet. He can move. He's not a wide receiver. People that said he was were wrong. He can throw the football. He can throw it down the field, and he can make plays. Now, it may not be traditional. It may not be in the manner that most people want their quarterback to play, but it makes Baltimore a very effective team. Baltimore didn't get any stops last week in Kansas City, but I think he's done really well. I think he's been impressive. And certainly, I think Josh Allen has taken a huge mother may I step forward this year in terms of his ability to play quarterback, not just be a running back, but play quarterback. Now, he averages nine yards a game rushing, nine nine attempts rushing per game, which is still a lot. But he makes plays with his arm, and he's getting much better. The difference between Josh Allen and, and Lamar Jackson, really, when you watch him play, might be style of offense, but not much more. And so we pump the brakes on Baker Mayfield. I have not been impressed. Well, look, you know, let me just give you a little stat that's kind of impressive, right? Patrick Mahomes has played three games so far this season. There's only been three passes that he's thrown that the defense has gotten their hands on. Three. Baker Mayfield's played three games this year, and they've gotten their hands on 21 passes. Ooh. Big difference. I think Baker's going through a curve here, a learning curve. People are taking him much more seriously now. They're rushing him with a different aspect. I mean, I think if you watch the game closely, if you watch how people are rushing him, they're forcing him to stay in the pocket, play quarterback, build a wall in front of him, and not allow him to escape and make plays on the move. He hasn't been able to make plays down the field. And really, to me, I think he needs to be in less shotgun because they get him in shotgun so he could see. But I think he needs to separate the defense more when he's under center and he can get some play-action passes. We're talking with Radio.com NFL insider Michael Lombardi. And, and Mike, if you can keep that GM hat on here for a second, uh, how, how challenging is it for the folks in the Jacksonville front office to deal with this Jalen Ramsey situation where you've got an elite, elite player at position who, who at his position who wants out? What do you think the end game is there? Well, look, I think they have a culture issue. I think it's pretty clear. I mean, look, Jalen Ramsey, you know, he upsets me when he starts talking about money. But in fairness for the young man, Jacksonville's paid players that have come from outside their organization a lot of money. And when you do that, you disrupt the locker room. You need to take care of your own players first. So that's an issue. And I don't think their culture is very good down there in Jacksonville. I think they've got a lot of guys that don't understand what discipline means to be a good team and be a good teammate. I think when you look at their team, he's one of their few good players. I mean, Leonard Fournette, who they drafted fourth overall in the draft, they drafted him over Patrick Mahomes. They drafted him over Deshaun Watson, is averaging, you know, he's right around four yards, but he's had a 69-yard rushing attempt, and if you take that out, he averages about 2-6 a carry. And he's giving them nothing, and yet they still need a quarter. It'll be interesting to see if Gardner Minshew can continue. He averages less than seven yards per attempt and throws, so he doesn't throw it down the field. People will get a book on him soon, but if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars, if I'm the running that team, I am not trading Jalen Ramsey. I'm fixing the culture. And, Mike, last one out of me, does Antonio Brown play this year or ever again in the NFL? I don't think he's playing this year for sure, Channing. I don't think there's no way he's going to play. I think there's something happened that triggered his – his, de- his demise up in New England. I don't know whether it was the tweets that he sent out about the, the, the to the woman or if it was the investigation, but I think something happened, and we're going to find out soon enough. Thank you, Michael, so much for the time. Thank you. Appreciate you.
Love a Hockman Hump Day, even though it is a Hockman holiday and Alex Dono had to fill in. You can download the podcast for this show, Hockman and Crowder Show, or any of the ones that you hear right here on 560 The Joe by going to our website, wqam.com, downloading the radio.com app, or going wherever you get your podcasts for absolutely free. One of my childhood heroes, Scotty Pippen, celebrating his 54th birthday today. So I figured, since it is Scotty Pippen's birthday, and we are still technically in baseball season, even though he's a basketball player, why not feature Scotty Pippen singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game? A one, a two, a three. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the ball. I don't care if I'm... Why is one, two, three strikes are out at the ball game. Let's go, Cubbies! Can't even hate. I'd probably sound the exact same if I was at Wrigley Field or better yet, Comiskey Park. I'm more of a White Sox fan singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Scottie Pippen, you're an all-time great basketball player. Okay, let's get back into football. Of course, the Dolphins look to improve this weekend. 1 o'clock Sunday is kickoff against the Los Angeles Chargers. You can hear the pregame, the postgame, the whole game right here. 560 The Joe WQAM getting you ready for that. I have a recent presser that Coach Flores did. I think, you know, we're, we're close to putting a, a, you know, stringing some good plays together. And then we just got to make the routine plays. Uh, routine catches, the routine blocks. You know, this is a game they've all played since they were little. We just, I think as a, as a team, uh, individually and as a team, we just need to, you know, stay in the present and, and just play the way we practice, the way we talked about playing, and I think good things will happen. I'll get better. That's the, that's the message every week. Let's get better. Let's come back. Let's practice. Let's improve. Let's get better. I think it's pretty clear that there's some plays that we could have had out there. Uh, and, that, I mean, that's disappointing. Uh, but, you know, the, I guess the silver lining there is, there's some opportunities that we that we can definitely take advantage of. And if we continue to put ourselves in those positions where we have those opportunities, then I think we will take advantage of them. So uh, that's my message. Let's just, you know, keep get, continue to get better. I feel like, you know, that's been the case each week. Uh, the results haven't been what we want them to be, but I think in time, you know, things will turn. Okay, we've heard from the head coach. Let's jump to the defensive side of the ball and hear from defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. He's going to come from the guys on the field. We got, you know, again, you know, pressure, however you define it, or, you know, the main goal is to affect the quarterback. And, you know, we got, we got to find ways to improve that. And, you know, it starts with me. And, you know, you know we got to do a good job of that, you know, but constantly just evaluating it week to week. And the main thing, though, is not necessarily the sack numbers or the pressure. It's, it's affecting the quarterback, you know, whether it's disrupting the passing, uh, his passing windows, uh, getting our hands up. Uh, 
and making sure that it ties together with the coverage and the rush tie together. But, you know, we're, we're, we're working towards that and we're working to improve that. We just, we're looking to improve in all facets of the game, you know, whether it's the pass game or, I mean, you know, pass coverage, pass rush, run defense. I mean, we're trying to improve all of it. We got to do a better job. But we got to set the edge. I mean, especially against the Chargers, if we don't set the edge, these guys can get out there. We got to do a good job with that. Uh, we got to play with power inside, you know, play with extension. But, you know, it's all a process. We're looking to improve, and, you know, it starts – Really today, you know, guys getting in, getting an understanding of who the Chargers are as a run team and what they do in the run game and in the pass game. And then for us, once we get to practice, working on the fundamentals that are going to help us improve there. One of the things exciting about Sunday's Dolphins game is to find out if maybe we're taking steps towards finding the next Dan Marino. The Rosen one will be starting at quarterback. So let's jump to the offensive side of the ball and hear from offensive coordinator Shad O'Shea on Josh Rosen. Yeah, he, you know, there was, yeah, there were some things that he, you know, he did well in the shotgun, and, and certainly there's been some things that he's done well under center here that he's comfortable with. So I think that with Josh, it's just it's finding the things that he's very comfortable with and confident in, and that's a work in progress for us as a coaching staff to identify those things and really to play to his strengths. Certainly, I think one of his strengths is to to be in the shotgun, but I've also been impressed with some of his. Uh, under center snaps and uh, his ability to still, you know, be balanced and our ability to throw the football when he's underneath has been a strength of his also. I don't care what anybody says. I am excited to watch every Dolphins game this year. It's like Hawkman says, a season like no other. It's always going to be something to watch, especially if you're a true fan. You're going to love to hear and see everything the Dolphins do this season. Remember, pregame, postgame, whole game right here. 560 The Joe WQAM. Follow us on Twitter at 560 WQAM. Give me a follow at Dan Day Radio. Let me give you the lineup on what happens weekdays here at the radio station. In the mornings from 6 to 10, it's the Joe Rose Show. From 10 to 1, Legend in the Game, the Dan Levitard Show. From 1 to 3, Stephen A. Smith. We'll probably hear from him tomorrow. Then from 3 to 6, Hawkman and Crowder, 6 to 7. Yes, you're listening to it. It is the Best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I have not eaten anything all day long, so I'm going to go home, probably eat some Minez sandwiches, drink some water, listen to some music, and have some fun. Won't you join me tomorrow night on the Best of the Joe Show? Later, slug! We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.